I think I think the real issue is that for some people the circumstances will be such that they just can't stay and they will find it necessary for their own survival effectively to disassociate but the consequence of that is they are shunned and lose all of their prior social structure that's that's the issue and you heard the evidence that some people gave about that issue that's the problem if i could your honor with respect that doesn't happen in other parts of society generally i could only repeat what i said your honor no, no, but it's cruel isn't it to take away by reason of the rules that you impose all of their social structure that's cruel You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, I'm Lady C. And I'm JT. Welcome to The Critical Thought. In this episode, we will be discussing something that's been flashing across the headlines all over the country, and that is a murder-suicide involving people in the Jehovah's Witness religion. There was a murder-suicide in Thornton over the weekend. It's where police say a husband killed his wife and then himself. This Thornton church was the scene of a Christmas morning tragedy when a former congregation member threw multiple pipe bomb-like devices through this window behind me and then shot his wife and then himself here in the parking lot. We will probably never know the full story, but what we wanted to do was to take a look at certain things that we do know. We do know that these individuals were no longer Jehovah's Witnesses, which means they were in what is known as a shunning state. These individuals were being shunned by their family and their friends. What we wanted to do today is to take a look at what is the psychological impact of a person who becomes involved with Jehovah's Witnesses and finds himself on the outside being shunned just wanted to talk and to hear their voice. I missed being with my family, and they thought about reaching out to me, but they knew that if they had associated with me, even a little, just to check on me, that small dose of association might have satisfied me. It could have made me think that there was no need to return to Jehovah. But there is a question. And that's the question we raised at the very beginning. What is the psychological impact of a person who is shunned? Can you imagine a Jehovah's Witness in a conversation with someone, especially someone who is in the field of human behavior, psychologists, psychiatrists, if they were to pose this question at the door, tell me, what is the psychological impact on your people by shunning them? So what we want to do is just take a quick look at some of the red flags that psychiatrists have identified shows a risk factor for someone who is potentially contemplating suicide. And as we go through this list, think about this in terms of how shunning impacts people. On the psychiatric.org website, they provide about eight different warning signs of suicide. And we're gonna cover a few of them in this broadcast. The first one is making comments about being hopeless, helpless, or worthless. You know, it's really um, amazing when you think about how this is one of the things that when you talk to people who are shunned, they will often speak about how this is how they felt 
This is, uh, they, they feel they have no purpose in life. They, they've lost hope. And so these are the type of things, and this is why it's so important that we do not allow ourselves to be pushed over the edge because these are the type of things that will push people over the edge. We've talked to a number of people who have been disfellowshipped, people who've been reproved, people who are being shunned. And the cutoff is so great that they simply just lose hope. And of course, once a person loses hope, he feels that he's worthless, this person is heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, but not only that, but see, I feel like the way I look at the Jehovah's Witnesses is this is the way the religion makes you feel because of their indoctrination principles and practices. When we left, we knew why we left. And we knew, we were like, this ain't the truth, so we out of here, right? But the people who are disfellowshipped for the Watchtower's definition of wrongdoing, they don't know that. All they know is, I did something wrong. So when you look at people who are literally in a situation where they're losing and they feel helpless and hopeless, it's because they still believe in the Watchtower teachings. And that's the problem, that's the tragic part about it. The, the newspaper article talked about how they were actually seeking to get reinstated. So right then and there, you know, they were still thinking that they were like helpless and hopeless and things like that. You know, the whole process of trying to get reinstated can be so stressful for people because they realize, that's why we did a video a while back about why it's so difficult for people to be reinstated. And these are just the added pressures that people are subjected to. And these things, they slowly can start pushing a person literally right toward the edge. Another red flag that we noticed in this list is expressions of having no reason for living, no sense of purpose in life, saying things like, it would be better if I wasn't here, or I want out. So once again, when you have these conversations with people who are being shunned, this is where they are. Over the years, we've talked to so many people who will say, well, JT, you know, when I first left, I just had no hope. I knew I was going to die at Armageddon, so it didn't matter what I did. And so as a result, these individuals will often engage in activities and behavior that is not only detrimental to themselves, but to others as well. And these, once again, these are the red flags. And this is what the judge understood. Throughout the, uh, the hearing of the Australian Commission, the judge kept repeating, there are many things that we have learned over the years about child abuse and so forth. Because over the years, scientists and doctors and researchers, they understand that these are some of the factors that can impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so when you consider that the shunning process, the way shunning is done by Jehovah's Witnesses, these are the very types of environments that they are creating for people. And so if you have a person who is struggling already with just basic life issues, the last thing you want to do is add a little bit of this in. Right. And this is the kind of things that people often find themselves dealing with. Yeah, because when the, when the judge was talking to the, um, he, was, he was talking to the brothers that was, I think it was, was it Spinks and the other brother? He was saying, but this is not normal in, in, in the society that we live in. You know, most cultures don't do this kind of stuff, you know. But when people really understand why the Jehovah's Witnesses or the leadership feels like disfellowshipping is a necessary component to their worship, it's about it's really about the survival of the institution, because without this uh, disfellowshipping, this institution cannot survive or thrive, because that means that the information that people need to get about them is going to be given 
to the people that need it. And they're going to depart quick. They're going to get out of here. And so it's really, really sad that we see these kind of issues with with this murder-suicide because there's still so many people that their minds are trapped in the belief system of this organization. And this is why you're getting these results. In fact, I'm surprised that you don't see more of this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Uh, It's really all about, at the end of the day, it's all about how to control people. Mm -hmm. Uh, From the demonstrations they give at uh, regional conventions, the magazines, uh, they often have tried to convince Jehovah's Witnesses that this is a loving arrangement. And if you were to look through the, the Watchtower.org website and type in this fellowshipping and look at all the articles that the Watchtower has on this fellowshipping, and you were to give that to a group of researchers, they would not walk away talking about this is a loving arrangement. And the right. reason why is because they would understand that if you're treating people like this, these are the type of results that you can end up getting. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's very unfortunate because now, this is probably one of the most difficult issues that we as activists actually have to deal with. I can, you know, there's not a lot of issues that come up as high as this because, and as we've often said, you know, the, the washout literally plays with people's lives because the three elders in the back, your reinstatement, how you're going to be treated, these things can just push people over. And, uh, and so we see more and more people today like us and others and yourselves, we are simply deciding we are not going to let the Watchtower push us like that. Mm-hmm. And we end up taking a stand and realizing, even if it costs us our families, uh, we realize that I can't do this anymore. And we move forward. When I, when I take a step back and I look at my life and the relationship that I had with certain family members, mm-hmm. it was like the relationship wasn't great when we were Jehovah's Witnesses. So, you know, if even if these people weren't witnesses, would I want to be hanging around with them anyway? And that's how you got to kind of look at it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, in the clip that I played, that we played in this video about that sister who hadn't talked to her family member, I think they said in 15 years. And that's the way that the way they played it out in the, at the assembly. Let me tell you something right now. There's something wrong with that, with that family to have a daughter and grandkids. And they're going to try to let this religion dictate whether they can actually talk to their daughter or not. Yeah. Because when I think about, like, as a caretaker, you know, taking care of my, my my parents, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't call them on the phone. And this is before they moved in with me, me and my husband. You know, we checked on them every day. Can you imagine if they were disfellowshipped yeah. and we were trying to de- determine, oh, you know, we talked to them yesterday. Yeah. Do you think they okay today? Oh, no, we might not want to call them today. Oh, because, you know, that might be giving too much attention to these people that's disfellowship. Isn't that crazy? When you think about how you have to literally think about whether you should call somebody or not. And my father is living in a facility and he's living there as an independent. And so he can go and come whenever he needs to or whatever without having to really, you know, well, he has to let them know he's going to be gone because they need to know if something happened to him. They need to know if they need to send the, the troops out to, to make sure he's okay, right? But every morning at 10 o'clock, if my dad does not press this button in his room to let them know that he's okay, somebody's coming to his room to check on him. And, you know, when you get older and you got, you know, like, like I said, I got elderly parents. This is before my parents, you know, were put into facilities. And I was that person that was checking on them. But you know what? I don't need a religion telling me how to show love to my family or making me second guess myself as to whether or not I can call them 
because they're disfellowship. And see, those are the questions that you got to ask yourself when it comes to your family members yeah. and dealing with them. That's so true. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. The organization has literally made people that have to decide, can I call my child? Can my child call me? And that is, once again, we're looking at red flags that professionals, people in this field, they know these are not good signs. These are not good signs. Not at all. All right, now let's take a look at uh, the next red flag that you would look at for a warning sign of a person contemplating suicide. And that is withdrawal from friends, family, and community. Wow. You see, professionals will tell families and friends and relatives, if you notice the person is starting to withdraw from being around this family, if the person is starting to withdraw being around his friends, that could be a red flag. The irony of that is, it is exactly the opposite for Jehovah's Witnesses. It is the family, it is the friends, it is their community that withdraws from them. And this, once again, is going to produce those same types of red flags. And so it becomes clear that this type of activity that is involved in shunning, it literally lays the groundwork for people that have nervous breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it really does. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't find any professional in any field of behavior, human behavior that would say, oh yeah, that's a wonderful thing. And yet it's interesting that what does the Watchtower call this? They call this a loving arrangement. And that was why, you know, once again, you know, the, the judge made the point. He said, you take away the entire social structure. You take away, and the, the witness who was representing the, the Jehovah's Witnesses in this particular hearing, he kept trying to say, oh no, the person, they, and the judge says, no, no, the, no, no, the person's not drawn away from their family. The family's drawn away from them. Exactly. Their friends are, no. And the judge, he just kept pounding him. And it was interesting how the Jehovah's Witness representative, he kept trying to demonstrate this false sense of humility. Well, your honor, judge, you know, your honor, we respect. No, you don't. No, you don't, because we know exactly what that same elder from Bethel who represented the service department would be saying in a public talk that Sunday. You know exactly what he would be saying, but before the world. And this is what makes the the hypocrisy of the organization so clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, The witnesses have one persona when they're in the public sphere, and they have a whole different one at, at the Kingdom Hall. All the information that the Watchtower gives to all governments and organizations and media goes like this. Disfellowshipping does not change the family relationship, how families are. Now, everybody who's ever been a Jehovah's Witness, they have to be honest. You don't deal with your family the same way. In fact, that was the whole point of the video showing witnesses. This is an outstanding example. If your child calls, you look at the number and you keep it moving. Now, interestingly, suppose that person is calling and they're about to decide to take their life. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even have an interest in that. This is what makes this religion so dangerous. Um, we often tell people, you know, it's, you know, if a person wants to be one of Jehovah's Witnesses, that's a personal decision. But you definitely want to make sure that you educate yourself about this organization. Because as we've often mentioned many times before, such things as disfellowshipping, such things as shunning, these things are not part of the Jehovah's Witness study package when they are studying with people in their homes to become Jehovah's Witnesses. 
That's right. And I can't tell you how many people we hear from that make that statement. When they come across our videos on YouTube, their whole thing is, I thought I was by myself. I thought I was the only one that felt like this. But then they realize, hey, there's a whole lot of people on the internet that feel like I do. That's my goal this year is to find a way to get this information to more people. Because the more people that you can educate about this religion, the less chances you have of someone committing suicide. Because once they understand how this works and what they're up against and that they have done nothing wrong, it really starts to help them to, to heal. It's so important, and we often talk about this, that we do not allow this religion that many of us have been a part of for many years to push us to the edge. We don't. Seek any type of help in your area so that you can get the necessary help because this is what it always boils down to. People are, feel that they are left out to hang out and dry. You never want to find yourself in that because there are people that can reach out that you can talk to. We encourage people, take advantage of help that you have that's in your area. So these were just a few of the red flags that we wanted to share. And importantly, we wanted you to see just how closely tied they are to the results you get when people are being shunned. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Critical Thoughts. Yes, and be sure to leave your comments and your thoughts below so that others can also benefit from your own personal experiences as well. This has been Lady C. And this has been JT. And we'll see you on the next episode. If you want to receive more information about our research on this topic of suicide prevention, please check the link in the description of this podcast. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.